Hi, I'm Elena Becker, and this is P.S., the Puget Sound podcast, where I'm talking with members of our community about their Puget Sound experiences. We're recording today from Moonyard Studio in Tacoma, Washington, and our guest is Emily Davis, a senior from Gig Harbor, Washington. Emily, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Lena. I'm so happy to be here. I am delighted to have you, and I am extra delighted to talk to you because I'm always excited to have Washingtonians on the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be a Washingtonian. Yep, the greatest state in the union. I have to agree. Sorry, everybody else. (laughs) Will you tell folks where you're from in Washington? I'm originally from Gig Harbor, Washington, which my house is about 15 minutes away from the University of Puget Sound, but... I like to note that there is a physical barrier of the Narrows Bridge in between, so <laughs> it's not an exact 20-minute drive. I didn't grow up in Tacoma, so it's a very different place than Tacoma. That's true. Had you? How much time did you spend in Tacoma growing up? Did you ever come over here? I only ever went to Tacoma if I had to go to the mall. Sure. Um, I played a lot of basketball in high school, and so I'd go over to Tacoma for summer league games, for basketball tournaments, so things like that. But I would never go to Tacoma just to hang out with my friends. We would stay in Gig Harbor for the most part. So it was a new place for me when I came to college. Well, and that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because I think for anybody who is coming to college from within a couple of hours. I mean, I grew up in Bellevue, so 45 minutes, an hour, that felt close to me, it's kind of a different decision-making process. Either that's a big sell for you or it's something you have to kind of work through as like, oh, this is going to be okay. Yeah. And the way I thought about it was I can go home if I want to, but I don't have to. Right. And for me, the physical distance didn't make that, didn't matter that much because if I was three hours away, I probably would call my mom just as often. It would just be a lot more expensive to go home. Right. Um, And so for me, being close was a great option. My family is very important to me. So being able to see them is great. And for example, tonight, my mom's out of town. So my friends and I are all meeting my dad up for dinner. So it's, it's little things like that that are really nice to have my family local. And that's not for everybody, but it's nice for me. How much did you go home in your first year of college? Did you go home at all, really? Well, I told myself I wouldn't go home until Thanksgiving, but that did not happen. (laughs) Um, I think that I went home a few times to grab things that I forgot. Right. Um, Sweaters. Didn't think it would get, didn't expect it to get this cold as fast as it did. You're from here. I know. It was a, it was, it was a mistake. Um, (laughs) And then my parents liked to come visit me. So it was nice. They would text me if they had a free day and just be like, hey, you want to grab lunch in Tacoma? And it was nice to see them. So I didn't go home very often. I never went home for the full weekend. It would just be for a meal or my parents came to visit me. And it was actually funny. I would go home most often because my friends that I made my freshman year wanted to go home to a house (laughs) and have a home cooked meal. So that was why I went home most often. It was because my friends wanted to go to a a home. And people would be like, hey, can we go over to your parents' house and have dinner? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) My friends and I are doing that tomorrow. (laughs) How did your relationship to Tacoma and the South Sound change once you were living here rather than than in Gig Harbor? I really grew to love Tacoma. At first, I was like, well, I'm not really sure if I wanted to go to Tacoma. It was the town next door to mine that I never yeah. really went to very often. I didn't think much of it. But now I've been living here for the past three years, and I spent this uh, time over the summer living in Tacoma, and I've grown to love it so much. Um, I think there's so many cool events going on. I love walking around. There's so many cool parks. And in a way, I think I kind of grew out of Gig Harbor and grew into Tacoma, and it's definitely become my mm. new home. How did you— 
decide to end up here? I mean, separate from the sort of reconciling the idea of, oh, this is not the other side of the country. It's not an adventure in that sense. But what even put Puget Sound on the list for you? Why were you thinking about staying here? At first, Puget Sound was not on my radar at all. But um, fun fact, both my parents went to Puget Sound. (laughs) And so I was... That kind of set the stage and had that in my parents' mind. And when I told them that I was really set on going to a state school, I knew I wanted to go to University of Washington. They're like, well, maybe to check out a small school and <laughs> see what that's like. So I was like, oh, fine, I guess I'll go to a small school and check it out. And I went on the tour. And after that, it made me really second guess my, um, I don't know, my previous ideas on what it would be like to go to a state school. And I kind of learned to value um, being in those small classes. And when I was on my tour, what I really saw that I didn't see at some other state schools I visited was everyone was saying hi to each other Mm. and people were happy and smiling and looking up from their phones, not just looking at their phones on the way to class. And I felt like everyone was very engaged and people were happy. And that was something I didn't really see at the bigger schools. And so that's what really made me want to go to a small school like Puget Sound, um, that turned me away from, a big state school, um, but I wouldn't have ever toured here if it wasn't for my parents saying, you have to go check us out a small school before you make your decision. And I'm so thankful they did. It's funny that you mentioned that because I knew that I wanted to go to a small school, but did not think I wanted to go to one an hour away from my parents. And I played sports in college. And so Puget Sound kind of got on my radar that way for some of the athletic programs. And I still thought, nah, Right. Nice to have this option, but I'm not going to. And my dad diverted a family vacation, pulled off I-5, acted like, I don't we're just going to drive through the city for look where we are. Oh, my goodness. Which (laughs) which is like the number one way to make your 17 year old not want to do something. Exactly. Right. Is like to get every everybody out. Like we're going to start walking around campus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I almost killed him. Um, but then, understandably, yeah, but then sort of in the same way you're suggesting, like just being on campus, I started to feel like, oh, okay, this is not what I thought mm-hmm. it would be. And I think what stood out to me, Puget Sound compared to some other small schools, because I did apply to other small schools and I visited um, a smaller school in Southern California was, I realized I loved the Northwest. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stay up here. And what really kind of pushed me over the edge was I was accepted into the business leadership program, which is kind of like an honors program for the business school. And that acceptance really made me say, wow, like Puget Sound has a lot to offer and I want to be a part of that. And the program is what really stood out to me and made me decide Puget Sound specifically among the smaller schools. And will you talk just a little bit about how your participation in the BLP has just contributed to your experience here? What has that been like as a part of your life? My freshman year... Um, the business leadership program, but I'll refer to it as the BLP. It's how we can mm. talk about it here. Is um, it really set the stage for the sense of community that our classes build? Because the program has accepts about twenty five students a year, so it's a small group and it's a cohort that will live together in the same residence hall their first year, and then every semester they take one of their business classes together. So it could be an economics class, a marketing class, a statistics class. So just any of the classes that are required for the business major, and you really become a part of that learning community. And I've made great friends through that program and. 
I value those relationships so much because there's such a level of comfort walking in. You know that one of your four classes every semester will be with a group of 25 students. You've had this class with them before every single year. And it's just such a lively classroom setting because everybody is so comfortable. The professors know who the students are coming in. And I've enjoyed that experience so much. And also, the program really challenges you outside of the classroom to be a part of the campus community in ways that's not just getting good grades on tests and getting your essays turned in and getting A's on those, but they really challenge you to find what you're passionate about outside the classroom and become the president of a club, join Greek life, play a sport, and really find those areas in life that you really value. Um, And so with that, I've definitely found those areas of passion on campus and the program really pushes you to do that. What have some of those areas of passion been for you? The one on the top of my head was because I was talking about it people earlier is the um, undergraduate women in economics club, which is funny because it's not related to the business program because the economics program and business programs are two different departments, departments, two different degrees or two different majors. I mean, And I didn't really know I wanted to be an economics major coming into school. I had no idea what that really even was. And joining um, my economics class, my BLP cohort, my freshman year really opened my eyes to what that was. Um, And then after that, a few of the upperclassmen, women in the econ department, um, came around to some of the classes and asked some of the women in the classes that they were interested in starting this new club, Undergraduate Women in Economics, UWE, um, because it turns out a few years ago, only a couple women were graduating from the department every year. Hmm. And that was just a huge um, gender gap. And so the club's purpose is to really encourage women to be a part of the economics department and try it because there is that huge gender gap. And I've loved being a part of that club and I've built such great connections and brought had just amazing experiences. And it makes me so happy to have seen the club grow over my past Mm -hmm. few years here. Can you just give some examples of some of the programming that that club does to encourage women either to get involved in economics or to stay involved in economics? Yeah. So last year, um, well, so every year we have a big brunch event where we invite everyone on the campus to come attend. And around 75 people have come every year, which is a great turnout. That includes professors, community members, Um, A lot of my friends go to support me, which is always nice. Um, We bring guest speakers. And last year, we brought in a woman. um, Her name is Makita, and she's from the Spur Consulting Group. And she came and talked to us about the importance of being your best self-advocate and how when you're in the business world, how it's important to talk about all the great things you're doing and be confident and be the person that's willing to say what you need out of a workplace environment and how you need to get that. um, Because you're the only person that knows what you really need. And so if you want more challenging tasks at work and you want to be promoted, you have to be the one to say that. And so she gave us inspiration and also the tools to be able to do that. And you probably know this, but women are far less likely to advocate for themselves in that way, to explicitly speak up and say, I would like a raise, I would like a promotion, I would like different project work. Definitely. Than men are. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the statistics on it when you look at them are staggering. What that gap is. Yes, I completely agree, and that's why we want to be here to support women in economics, but support women in every department and whatever they're doing. And that's why we bring in these speakers that can appeal to a wide variety of people. Um, the UWE Club just sponsors it. But sure, we're here for 
support of all different people and we're really um, happy to see people standing up for themselves and speaking about how great they're doing. And what I loved about the example that you just gave is that it really is applicable to anybody, mm-hmm. right? No matter what you're studying in college, we're all going to get a job. If somebody has said to you, negotiate your salary, that's important and expected and is not going to get you in trouble or count against you, mm-hmm. then you do. But if nobody's ever said that to you, why Why would you know to do that? How would you know that's part of the deal? Exactly. So we try to bring in speakers that encourage us to push ourselves outside our comfort zone. But then also in the past, we've also brought in um, speakers and uh, some of the staff from our current employment services, mm. or we call it CES here on campus. And by doing that, they'll talk about resumes and LinkedIn and how to do best in an interview. And that has also been great because that's stuff that you, it's hard to learn unless it you is. have experience with it. And most people don't. Until exactly. you have some experience, the, those are not innate skills. Mm-hmm. And so they'll come in and talk to us about it. Um, we keep those groups smaller during our club meetings, but our club meetings are not exclusive. Anybody can go. I sure. have um, male friends in the economics department that have come to our meetings to listen to these speakers. And it's not an exclusive group. And we really want these skills to be spread out all throughout campus. Want to learn more about the time classics professor Eric Orland staged a mock siege of Athens in Wyatt Hall? I'm Tori Henson, Assistant Director of Admission and Transfer Admission Coordinator at Puget Sound, and you can go to pugetsound.edu stories to read about Reacting to the Past, Athens versus Sparta in 2019. One of the things I also want to talk with you about, I think, is particularly well suited to you because you have done all of this great work with undergraduate women in economics and you were involved in Greek life. So you are a walking, talking, breathing example of the fact that those things are not incompatible. Exactly. And I think our university does a great job of making sure that Greek life is not a defining factor of any buddy's experience. And I think that's one thing that really differs us from a lot of big state schools with these giant Greek lives is that that might end up being the definition of what somebody's college experience is like. And for me, it's a part of who I am and I like being in a sorority, but it's definitely not who I am. And I'm more than that. Did you know when you were thinking about coming to college that that was something you wanted to do? You wanted to do? It was in the back of my mind. Um, both my parents were in Greek life when they went to school mm-hmm. here. Um, so I knew it was here, and I knew coming into the school that it was smaller and very relaxed. And so I think that made me more um, kind of piqued my interest a little bit. But it was not something I was like, I have to be a part of Greek life. I was never like that, right. thinking about it that way. Just It was something I was interested in, but it wasn't something I was dead set on. Has it been a superficial experience for you? I think that's what people often think. And I get nervous questions sometimes around the idea of, well, if I participated in Greek life, I would be judged. It would be an appearance culture. It would be all of the worst things about women in society, right? And all on this level of superficiality. Is that true? Definitely not. I think and I truly believe that Greek life has brought me quality friends and not quantity friends. Hmm. I think that it's so important to keep that in mind that, well, for me personally, like 
it's important to have those quality, not quantity friends. And Greek life has brought a lot of people into my life that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise, but they're acquaintances and they're fr- I'm friendly and I see them around campus and say hi, but my biggest takeaway from Greek life is those true lifelong friendships that I've made and I'm so grateful for those. And I think if I wasn't a part of Greek life, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet these people. Um, and I think also going to the appearance of Greek life and what it's like to be superficial is something that Puget Sound is just not about. Hmm. Um, I've definitely noticed that it's not about how many Instagram followers you have right. or what picture you're posting. It, that stuff isn't as significant. You're um, not socially rewarded for superficiality. Exactly. It's And if you care about those things, that's great. If you want to be an Instagram influencer, like, <laughs> go for it. Nobody is there to judge you if you are interested or not. Um, but it's important that you are who you are and people are happy if you're happy. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to. I think that's a great summary. And one of the things that to me has always been so important about this community is that you are really able to lean into the things that you love and maybe discover the things that you love and in so many ways do that without the external pressures of feeling like you're saying something about yourself mm-hmm. by participating in a particular club or a particular major or a particular group. I definitely agree with that. And I think that one thing that's so amazing about our school is that our students are involved in such a wide range of activities um, and none of those things define our students. So right. if you're involved in our outdoors club, great but that's not who you are Mm -hmm. you can still do so many other things and like I said those things don't define who you are what have been some of the things that you have done or been involved in or tried out over the course of your time here that you never would have predicted when you were thinking about what your college experience would look like that's a great question I'm trying to think about that well, it's a big question because mm-hmm. you have to think about, okay, what did I do that was surprising? Mm-hmm. What did I think maybe I would be like when mm-hmm. I was 17 thinking about college? Yeah. I think when I was 17, I was less confident in who I was than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that – it might sound surprising to say this, but – so I played basketball in high school. Yeah. I loved it. And now I play intramural basketball, and it's a co-ed league, but I'm one of a few girls in the entire league. Right. And it's – male-dominated, and I think as a junior or senior in high school, that would have terrified me. Mm -hmm. But now going to school here, I remember that first game being terrified, but I pushed myself outside my comfort zone was, okay, I have to do this. I love basketball, and it's something that I care about. So I went and played a game. It was one of the most terrifying experiences (laughs) of my life, but I'm so glad I did it, and I have made so many great friends through it. And Me and my friend Audrey are the only two girls in the league, and we're perfectly fine with that. Um, It hasn't been an issue, and I'm surprised by that. And I'm happily surprised that I pushed myself outside my comfort zone to do that. I think I love that story for basically every reason, (laughs) right? But one of the things that I am, am feeling and noticing about it that I think is great is that you're highlighting the sort of individual responsibility for having a good life. Mm-hmm. This is something that I think people with my job don't do often enough, that we talk to 17 and 18-year-olds about going to college and make it sound like you will have this perfect life with a bow on it delivered to you the moment that you set foot on campus. Mm-hmm. That is not true. <laughs> right. There, it's, it's life. There mm-hmm. are going to be things that are really great. There are going to be things that are hard. There are going to be things that are great after they're uncomfortable. Exactly. And I think that college has really brought me my absolute best moments of my life, but mm-hmm. also my most challenging. And yeah, 
my but through those moments I've grown and mm. I think going through those moments by yourself without your parents there telling you like this is how you're going to deal with this problem and this yeah. is how you deal with it and that's where I think I've grown the most so yeah I've had those hard challenging times but I've also had the absolute best times in my life where I've been the happiest one of the things that I also loved about the sort of personal development ecosystem of college is that I I really valued it as an opportunity to start to understand who I was outside of my regular patterns, right? Mm -hmm. So everything we've been talking about, about Greek life not defining you or your major not defining you or whether or not you're in the outdoors club not defining you. The same thing is true when you leave high school, right? All of these things that have been attached to you suddenly aren't there anymore. And you get to decide what do I really value? What do I care about? What is important about who I am, no matter where I am or where I live or where I'm going to school? I think that going to college, too, is a lot of our students that come here don't come with their big group of friends from high school. Right. Like people come here knowing maybe one or two people. I Was came that here, true for you? Cause I you... knew nobody. Well, two people from my high school went here, didn't know they were going to go to school here until yeah. I got here. And, and you're from 15 minutes away. Yeah, and we never really hung out. And so I think by not having those people that you spent your time with in high school, especially if you're from a small town like I am, it's so refreshing to go somewhere else and make those new friendships and they don't know who you were in high school and you really have the opportunity to find what you're interested in without those friendships being like oh like we do this every weekend or like mm -hmm. oh we do this all the time and you really get to decide like well what do I want to do this weekend right. and what are you as a personal decision has that felt true for you also when you talk about you sort of growing into a different person than who you were in high school and building more confidence does that feel true for understanding yourself too? I think that it's not as much changing who I was. I think I've stayed true to who my like core values are, but I think it's realizing more the importance of those values mm. to me and living those out in my like daily life and being proud of that. Um, I've, my confidence has grown so much, I think, because I've become more sure of my decisions and having the opportunity to make those decisions without um, like your family or your friends from like you've had your whole life and it's scary to make those decisions but when you do you just build so much confidence in yourself and your ability to be proud of who you are Emily we conclude all of our conversations by asking everybody the same four questions mm -hmm. the first question is what's your favorite place on campus I really love spending time on Todd Field, mm -hmm. um, whether it's if I have five minutes extra between class, I'll just go sit in the field for a little or not a field. It's like a big grass lawn kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, a meadow. No, it's not a yeah. meadow, but it's a grass lawn. And I'll just go sit by myself for a little bit and just relax for a second. Or sometimes my friends and I will text each other and say, hey, like, do you want to go play on Todd? And for us, that's playing Frisbee, playing soccer, running around. And that's such a nice escape and it's so fun just to do that in the middle of the day and for me when I think of college like that's what I picture is people playing on the quad and like playing on the field what are you reading right now um I'm reading a lot of articles for my economics thesis right now <laughs> um learning a lot about monetary policy and inequality so a lot of stuff that kind of goes over my head a little bit but trying to make sense about it best place to eat in Tacoma I love going down sixth avenue um, I don't have a specific place I like on there, but I think it's so fun just to go with your friends on a Friday evening and just grab some dinner together and get off campus for a little bit. What makes Puget Sound special? 
I think I've talked about my passions on this like talk today, but I really think that's what it is, is people are so passionate about what they do um, and they get excited about it and they want to share that with their friends and their friends are excited for each other. And for example, my friend Lily, she presented her research the other day. Um, she had a summer research grant. She presented it at a symposium and we all went to go support her and visit. And this, that support for other people's passions is so, so cool to me. Emily Davis, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Thank you to our guest and to you, the listener. You can follow Puget Sound on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Univ, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. And we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of P.S., the Puget Sound Podcast. Podcast.